Chapter the forty ninth of Poor Miss Finch. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Poor Miss Finch by Wilkie Collins. Chapter the forty ninth. On the way to the end, third stage. On former occasions of doubt and difficulty, it had always been Oscar's habit to follow the opinions of others. On this occasion, he was the first to speak and to assert an opinion of his own it seems needless to waste time in discussing our different views he said there is only one thing to be done i am the person principally concerned in this matter wait here while i go to the house he spoke without any of his usual hesitation he took up his hat without looking either at mr finch or at me I felt more and more convinced that the influence which Nugent's vile break of confidence had exerted over Oscar's mind was an influence which had made a dangerous man of him. Resolved to prevent him from leaving us, I insisted on his returning to his chair and hearing what I had to say. At the same moment, Mr. Finch rose and placed himself between Oscar and the door seeing this i thought it might be wise if i kept my interference in reserve and allowed the rector to speak first wait a moment oscar said mr finch gravely you are forgetting me oscar waited doggedly hat in hand mr finch paused evidently considering what words he should use before he spoke again his respect for Oscar's pecuniary position was great, but his respect for himself, especially at the present crisis, was, if possible, greater still. Indifference to the first sentiment, he was as polite, and indifference to the second, he was as possessive in phrasing his remonstrance as a man could be. Permit me to remind you, dear Oscar, that my claim to interfere as lucilla's father is at least equal to yours proceeded the rector in the hour of my daughter's need it is my parental duty to be present if you go to your cousin's house my position imperatively requires that i should go too oscar's reception of this proposal confirmed the grave apprehensions with which he had inspired me he flatly refused to have mr finch for a companion excuse me he answered shortly i wish to go to the house alone permit me to ask your reason said the rector still preserving his conciliatory manner i wish to see my brother in private oscar replied with his eyes on the ground mr finch still restraining himself but still not moving from the door looked at me i hastened to interfere before there was any serious disagreement between them i venture to think i said that you are both wrong whether one of you goes or both of you go the result will be the same the chances are a hundred to one against your being admitted into the house they both turned on me together and asked what I meant. "'You can't force your way in,' I said. "'You must do one of two things. 
you must either give your names to the servant at the door or you must withhold your names if you give them you warn nugent of what is coming and he is not the man to let you into the house under those circumstances if you take the other way and keep your names concealed you present yourselves as strangers is nugent likely to be accessible to strangers would lucilla in her present position consent to receive two men who are unknown to her take my word for it you will not only gain nothing if you go to the house you will actually make it more difficult to communicate with lucilla than it is already there was a moment's silence both the men felt that my objections were not easy to answer once more oscar took the lead do you propose to go he asked no i answered i propose to send a letter to lucilla a letter will find its way to her this again was unanswerable oscar inquired next what the purport of the letter was to be i replied that i proposed to ask her to grant me a private interview nothing more suppose lucilla refuses said mr finch she will not refuse i rejoined there was a little misunderstanding between us i admit at the time when i went abroad i mean to refer frankly to that misunderstanding as my reason for writing i shall put your daughter on her honour to give me an opportunity of setting things right between us if i summon lucilla to do an act of justice i believe she will not refuse me this let me add in parenthesis was the plan of action which i had formed on the way to sydenham i had only waited to mention it until i heard what the two men proposed to do first oscar standing hat in hand glanced at mr finch also hat in hand keeping obstinately near the door if he persisted in carrying out his purpose of going alone to his cousin's house the rector's face and manner expressed with the politest plainness the intention of following him oscar was placed between a clergyman and a woman both equally determined to have their own way under those circumstances there was no alternative unless he wished to produce a public scandal but to yield or appear to yield to one or the other of us he selected me if you succeed in seeing her he asked what do you mean to do i mean either to bring her back with me here to her father and to you or to make an appointment with her to see you both where she is now living i replied oscar after another look at the immovable rector rang the bell and ordered writing materials one more question he said assuming that lucilla receives you at the house do you intend to see he stopped his eyes shrank from meeting mine do you intend to see anybody else he resumed still evading the plain utterance of his brother's name i intend to see nobody but lucilla i answered it is no business of mine to interfere between you and your brother heaven forgive me for speaking in that way to him while i had the firm resolution to interfere between them in my mind all the time 
write your letter he said on condition that i see the reply it is needless i presume for me to make the same stipulation added the rector in my parental capacity i recognized his parental capacity before he could say any more you shall both see the reply i said and sat down to my letter writing merely what i had told them i should write dear lucilla i have just returned from the continent for the sake of justice and for the sake of old times let me see you immediately without mentioning your appointment to anybody i pledge to satisfy you in five minutes that i have never been unworthy of your affection and your confidence the bearer waits for your reply i handed those lines to the two gentlemen to read mr finch made no remark he was palpably dissatisfied at the secondary position which he occupied oscar said i see no objection to the letter i will do nothing until i have read the answer with those words he dictated to me his cousin's address i gave the letter myself to one of the servants at the hotel is it far from here i asked barely ten minutes walk ma'am you understand that you are to wait for an answer yes ma'am he went out as well as i can remember an interval of at least half an hour passed before his return you will form some idea of the terrible oppression of suspense that now laid its slowly torturing weight on all three of us when i tell you that not one word was spoken in the room from the time when the servant went out to the time when the servant came in again when the man returned he had a letter in his hand my fingers shook so that i could hardly open it before i had read a word the sight of the writing struck a sudden chill through me the body of the note was written by the hand of a stranger and the signature at the end was traced in the large straggling childish characters which i had remembered so well when lucilla had written her first letter to oscar in the days of her blindness the note was expressed in these strange words i cannot receive you here but i can and will come to you at your hotel if you will wait for me i am not able to appoint a time i can only promise to wait for my first opportunity and to take advantage of it instantly for your sake and for mine but one interpretation could be placed on such language as this lucilla was not a free agent both oscar and the rector were now obliged to acknowledge that my view of the case had been the correct one if it was impossible for me to be received into the house how doubly impossible would it be for the men to gain admission oscar after reading the note withdrew to the further end of the room keeping his thoughts to himself mr finch decided on stepping out of his secondary position by forthwith taking a course of his own am i to infer he began that it is really useless for me to attempt to see my own child her letter speaks for itself i replied if you attempt to see her you will probably be the means of preventing your daughter from coming here 
in my parental capacity continued mr finch it is impossible for me to remain passive as a brother clergyman i have i conceive a claim on the rector of the parish it is quite likely that notice may have already been given of this fraudulent marriage in that case it is not only my duty to myself and my child it is my duty to the church to confer with my reverend colleague i go to confer with him he strutted to the door and added if lucilla arrives in my absence i invest you with my authority madame pratolungo to detain her until my return with that parting charge to me he walked out i looked at oscar he came slowly towards me from the other end of the room you will wait here of course he said of course and you i shall go out for a little while for any particular purpose no to get through the time i am weary of waiting i felt positively assured from the manner in which he answered me that he was going now he had got rid of mr finch straight to his cousin's house you forget i said that lucilla may come here while you are out your presence in the room or in the room next to this may be of the greatest importance when i tell her what your brother has done suppose she refuses to believe me what am i to do if i have not got you to appeal to in your own interests as well as in lucilla's i request you to remain here with me till she comes putting it on that ground only i waited to see what he would do after a certain hesitation he answered with a sullen assumption of indifference do as you please and walked away again towards the other end of the room as he turned his back on me i heard him say to himself it's only waiting a little longer waiting for what he looked round at me over his shoulder patience for the present he answered you will hear soon enough for the moment i said no more to him the tone in which he had replied warned me that it would be useless after an interval how long an interval i cannot well say i heard the sound of women's dresses in the passage outside the instant after there was a knock at the door i signed to oscar to open a second door close to him at the lower end of the room and for the moment at least keep out of sight then i answered the knock and said as steadily as i could come in a woman unknown to me entered dressed like a respectable servant she came in leading lucilla by the hand my first look at my darling told me the horrible truth as i had seen her in the corridor at the rectory on the first day we met so i now saw her once more again the sightless eyes turned on me insensibly reflecting the light that fell on them blind oh god after a few brief weeks of sight blind again in that miserable discovery i forgot everything else i flew to her and caught her in my arms i cast one look at her pale wasted face and burst out crying on her bosom 
she held my head gently with one hand she waited with the patience of an angel until that first outbreak of my grief had exhausted itself don't cry about my blindness said the soft sweet voice that i knew so well the days when i had my sight have been the unhappiest days of my life if i look as if i had been fretting don't think it is about my eyes she paused and sighed bitterly i may as well tell you she went on in a whisper it's a relief it's a consolation to tell you i'm fretting about my marriage those words roused me i lifted my head and kissed her i have come back to comfort you i said and i have behaved like a fool she smiled faintly how like you she exclaimed to say that she tapped my cheek with her fingers in the old familiar way the repetition of that little trifling action almost broke my heart i nearly choked myself in forcing back the stupid cowardly useless tears that tried to burst from me again come she said no more crying let us sit down and talk as if we were at dimchurch i took her to the sofa we sat side by side she put her arm round my waist and laid her head on my shoulder again the faint smile flickered like a dying light on her lovely face wan and wasted yet still beautiful still the virgin's face in raphael's picture we are a strange pair she said with a momentary flash of her old irresistible humour you are my bitterest enemy and you burst out crying over me the moment we meet i have been shockingly treated by you and i have got my arm round your waist and my head on your shoulder and i wouldn't let go of you for the world her face saddened again her voice suddenly altered its tone tell me she went on how is it that appearances were so terribly against you oscar satisfied me at ramsgate that i ought to give you up that i ought never to see you again i took his view there is no denying it my dear i agreed with him in detesting you for a little while but when the blindness came back i could keep it up no longer little by little as the light died out my heart would turn to you again when i heard your letter read when i knew that you were near me it was just like the old times i was mad to see you and here i am satisfied before you explain it to me that you have been the victim of some terrible mistake i tried in grateful acknowledgment of those generous words to enter on my justifications there and then it was impossible i could think of nothing i could speak of nothing but the dreadful discovery of her blindness give me a few minutes i said and you shall hear it all i can't talk of myself yet i can only talk of you oh lucilla why did you keep away from grosser come with me to him to-day let him try what he can do at once my love before it is too late it is too late she said i have been to another oculist a stranger he said what mr sebright said he doubted if there was ever any chance for me 
he thought the operation ought never to have been performed why did you go to a stranger i asked why did you give up grossa you must ask oscar she answered it was at his desire that i kept away from grossa hearing this i penetrated for myself the motive which had actuated nugent as i afterwards found it indicated in the journal if he had let lucilla go to grossa our good german might have noticed that her position was preying on her mind and might have seen his reason for exposing the deception that nugent was practising on her for the rest i still persisted in entreating lucilla to go back with me to our old friend remember our conversation on this very subject she rejoined shaking her head decisively i mean at the time when the operation was going to be performed i told you i was used to being blind i said i only wanted to recover my sight to see oscar and when i did see him what happened the disappointment was so dreadful i wished myself blind again don't start don't cry out as if you were shocked i mean what i say you people who can see attach such an absurd importance to your eyes don't you recollect my saying that when we last talked about it i recollected perfectly she had said those words she had declared that she had never honestly envied any of us the use of our eyes she had even reviled our eyes comparing them contemptuously with her touch deriding them as deceivers who were constantly leading us wrong i acknowledged all this without being at least reconciled to the catastrophe that had happened if she would only have listened to me i should have gone on obstinately pleading with her but she flatly refused to listen we have very little time to spare she said let us talk of something more interesting before i am obliged to leave you obliged to leave me i repeated are you not your own mistress her face clouded over her manner became embarrassed i cannot honestly tell you that i am a prisoner she answered i can only say that i am watched when oscar is away from me oscar's cousin a sly suspicious false woman always contrives to put herself in his place i heard her say to her husband that she believed i should break my marriage engagement unless i was closely looked after i don't know what i should do but for one of the servants in the house who is an excellent creature who sympathizes with me and helps me she stopped and lifted her head inquiringly where is the servant she asked i had forgotten the woman who had brought her into the room she must have delicately left us together after leading lucilla in when i looked up she was not to be seen the servant is no doubt waiting downstairs i said go on but for that good creature lucilla resumed i should never have got here she brought me your letter and read it to me and wrote my reply i arranged with her to slip out at the first opportunity one chance was in our favour we had only the cousin to keep an eye on us oscar was not in the house she suddenly checked herself at the last word a slight sound at the lower end of the room which had passed unnoticed by me had caught her delicate ear 
"'What is that noise?' she asked. "'Anybody in the room?' I looked up once more. While she was talking of the false Oscar, the true Oscar was standing listening to her at the other end of the room. When he discovered that I was looking at him, he entreated me by a gesture not to betray his presence. He had evidently heard what we had been saying to each other before I detected him, for he touched his eyes and lifted his hands pityingly in allusion to Lucilla's blindness. Whatever his mood might be, that melancholy discovery must surely have affected him. Lucilla's influence over him now should only be an influence for good. I signed to him to remain, and told Lucilla that there was nothing to be alarmed about. She went on. "'Oscar left us for London early this morning,' she said. "'Can you guess what he has gone for? "'He has gone to get the marriage license. "'He has given notice of the marriage at the church. "'My last hope is in you. "'In spite of everything that I can say to him, "'he has fixed the day for the twenty-first. "'In two days more. "'I have done all I could to put it off. "'I have insisted on every possible delay.' oh if i knew her rising agitation stifled her utterance at the moment i mustn't waste precious moments i must get back before oscar returns she went on rallying again oh my old friend you are never at a loss you always know what to do find me some way of putting off my marriage suggest something which will take them by surprise and force them to give me time i looked towards the lower end of the room listening in breathless interest oscar noiselessly advanced half-way towards us at a sign from me he checked himself and came no further do you really mean lucilla that you no longer love him i said i can tell you nothing about it she answered except that some dreadful change has come over me while i had my sight i could partly account for it i believed that the new sense had made a new being of me but now i have lost my sight again now i am once more what i have been all my life still the same horrible insensibility possesses me i have so little feeling for him that i sometimes find it hard to persuade myself that he really is oscar you know how i used to adore him you know how enchanted i should once have been to marry him think of what i suffer feeling towards him as i feel now i looked up again oscar had stolen nearer i could see his face plainly the good influence of lucilla was beginning to do its good work I saw love and pity taking the place of hatred and revenge. The Oscar of my old recollections was standing before me once more. "'I don't want to go away,' Lucilla went on. "'I don't want to leave him. All I ask for is a little more time. Time must help me to get back to my old self. My blind days have been the days of my whole life can a few weeks of sight have deprived me of the feelings which have been growing in me for years i won't believe it i can find my way about the house 
i can tell things by my touch i can do all that i did in my blindness just as well as ever now i am blind again the feeling for him will come back to me like the rest only give me time only give me time at the last words she started to her feet in alarm there is someone in the room she said someone who is crying who is it oscar was close to us the tears were falling fast over his cheeks the one faint sobbing breath which had escaped him had caught my ear as well as lucilla's i took his hand in one of my hands and took lucilla's hand in the other for good or for evil the result rested with god's mercy the time had come who is it lucilla repeated impatiently try if you can tell my love without asking me with those words i put her hand in oscar's hand and stood close watching her face for one awful moment when she first felt the familiar touch the blood left her cheeks her blind eyes dilated fearfully she stood petrified then with a long low cry a cry of breathless rapture she flung her arms passionately round his neck the life flowed back into her face her lovely smile just trembled on her parted lips her breath came faint and quick and fluttering in soft tones of ecstasy with her lips on his cheek she murmured the delicious words oh, oscar i know you once more end of chapter the forty ninth